Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is the Zach Peters Podcast. I am Zach, and I am glad that you are joining us, listening, or watching today. I do hope that what you hear helps you in some way, spiritually speaking, to um, just have a better day, to be more mature, to draw closer um, to God, and just to just to understand Scripture a little bit better. For uh, those of you who want to know, we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. So if you want to find that, you can read that for yourself. I'll read it very quickly here in a second. But I think this is something that we need to understand. We've got to, we've got to grasp what's contained in this, in this little 10 verses, and it will radically change the way that we view life, especially... Um, I think this is especially true if we come from, you know, very blessed society in North America. I know that there are plenty, plenty of people who have struggles and issues and problems in America. But on the whole, we are still very blessed, even whenever we don't feel very blessed. And so this is just a good reminder for us about a proper perspective about life uh, as a Christian with God. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Starting with verse 1, again, going all the way down to verse 10. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with the with hands of man, but eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So, verse 6, we are of, we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So let's talk about the Scripture for a moment. In the Scripture, we have this image of of tents, living in tents. And for me, tents are not an unpleasant thing to think about. Uh, They represent fun, adventure, the great outdoors. I'm a big fan of all of those things. And it's not permanent for me. It's just a few days of different, and, and and then you go back to normal, but the different makes it really fun. And I feel this way because I've never had to actually live in a tent full time or for a long period of time. And also, while I have stayed in a tent a few times, nothing has ever happened to me negatively in that tent. A bear's not crashed into it. It's not been blown away. I've not frozen to death. So, you know, nothing bad's ever happened in that tent. So it's still just this fun thing that we get to experience sometimes. Things are, uh, these are things that are a lot less likely to happen if you're not in a tent on a regular basis. If your tent is not your home, Statistically speaking, you have less time for things to go wrong in that tent. Now, some people feel the same way about, say, a camper um, or those really cool camper vans, uh, which I want to do that. I'd love to take a van, turn it into a camper. Uh, I want to do that. I really do. But most of the time, 
these are just designed for short adventures, short escapes from the normal uh, security of a wood and brick and mortar house. And even though people do make them long-term solutions sometimes, they aren't really designed that way. And most people prefer not to live that way forever. Again, a nice trip, nice excursion, even for a long season, then there's always a real home to go back to. Something a little more permanent, a little more secure. Most people, while enjoying a tent or a camper, eventually long to just get back home. The desire just gets lost because most people aren't in danger of not having a home to get back to whenever they want. Camping is a little easier when it isn't your life, when it isn't all that you have. And this is not how it's always been through, through, uh, throughout history. Um, in, in a lot of different cultures, tent life, nomad life, uh, roaming life is the normal, and having a permanent home is the abnormal. And this scripture and Paul's illustration uh, and this language that he uses might make more sense to us. It might mean more to us if tents were not just some, some fun excursion that we get to do, but they were a part of a normal, uh, everyday life, a normal part for a large number, number of people who are having to do this not by choice but by necessity. To understand what Paul is saying, it takes us to understand something that we have maybe lost because we don't really have that experience as much as they did back then. Nomads are people who, who travel to live. In order to have a living, in order to have any sort of existence, they have to travel from pasture to pasture, from field to field, from stream to stream, from season to season, and they're forced to live in these tents and, and movable homes that, 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 that can be taken down and, and put back up. They're not permanent. Now, there are there are still a few people in the world who operate this way. There are tribes in South America who go from spot to spot to spot. There are tribes in Africa. Um, I think the most famous ones I can think of are the reindeer herders of Mongolia. And they spend their entire lives in these tents or these yurts and that, that move around from season to season. And they're nice tents. Um, generations of ingenuity have created these tents, but they're not permanent. Um, they must move to live. And they must live in this transient sort of way. And while I'm sure it's normal, normalized for them, I also understand just from looking at their life that it's, it's, it's stressful, it's tough to live that way. They have different problems, pretty serious problems that we don't have to worry about whenever you have a place to call home that's more permanent. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they were tent dwellers. And, and part of the promise of God for their life was that one day those tents would be replaced and traded in for permanent dwellings, permanent houses. It's a form of security that they never experienced. Israel, after, after leaving Egypt, was a nation of people who lived in tents until they started to conquer um, the Canaan land 40 years later. But for 40 years, they, have, they had the uncertainty of tent living, and they longed for the fulfillment of having a permanent home, a permanent place, a permanent permanent garden, a permanent watering hole. They, they wanted that security. Nomads learn to live without that security. They learn to live without the permanent place to call home, but it doesn't mean that they don't want that. It doesn't mean uh, that it's not stressful to live that way. It does create this continual sense of worry that everything could go wrong so much easier 
because we have all the stuff that is not permanent and everything would be everything would just be so much better if we lived in in the walls of a city or the walls of a of a home with a good source of water and and good farmland around us even after Israel was established as a nation with permanent locations and towns and cities to live you still had shepherds who, who went from place to place. You had merchants who traveled around. There are always going to be um, um, people who are, are homeless vagabonds that live in transition, that, that live from, from, from place to place. And even when Jesus walked the earth, he lived in transition without a place to lay his head. And back then, if you had to travel, you gave up the security of your home to live in a tent on a road in very unpredictable environments. I say all that to say that tenting, camping, was a much different experience than it was or than it is now, right? It was more dangerous, more random. Uh, it, it meant a lot more to those people. So Paul, who writes what we just read about tents and, and dwellings, he's been traveling for years at this point, knowing that he has no place to call home. And, and so Paul is led to write this from a place of experience and not just imagination. This is a very practical example from his life. He has lived a life traveling from place to place, staying at other people's homes, staying in a tent. And so this is real life for him. It's real life for the people around him. And it's closer to reality for them than it might be for us. And so if we can just imagine for our own lives what Paul is saying, and the nomads that, that are normal in this time, and if we can imagine what Paul goes through at this time, then maybe we really start to understand what it means to trade in the tent for the home, to trade in the random chaos for order, to trade in the bear crashing in to your tent for a door that keeps out the wild animals. Paul is talking about something that is permanent, something that is secure, and we want that. On, on every level, we want that, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. We want security in so many ways, right? You know what I'm talking about. Parents, you want stability for your kids. I want stability for my children. I, I got a two-year-old and a brand-new little baby, and I want them to be secure in every way possible. If you're younger, if you're a student, if you're a teenager, uh, maybe you don't know how to articulate it, but ultimately part of what you want, part of your angst that you might experience is that you want security, you want to belong, you want to fit in and not have things rattled and shaken around so much from your family, from your friends, from your class, from your teams. Feeling like everything could go up in flames so fast is a mental burden that we will all deal with sometimes. We'll deal with it in relationships, we'll deal with it in our finances, at work, and, and even as an entire nation, we will deal with the stress of thinking that everything can change like that, and we want security, we want permanence. The threat of having the tent blow away in our lives keeps us up at night, and it can make us do crazy, selfish things. It makes us selfish, it makes us defensive, it can make us bitter towards others who might have the security that you desire. And instead of looking out for other people, the fear of losing what you have, this, the fear of losing that security, um, sort of creates selfish tendencies to look out for our, for our own. But when we surrender our life to Jesus, things can start to change. They, they, they start to change if you will let them, because Jesus' life and his, 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 his existence and everything he did changes what it means to have security. 
our vantage point looking at this very random life that we exist in changes because we start to learn that the permanence we want is not found as something that we can create, something that we can earn, something that we can find on our own. It's not found as something that can be destroyed so easily like a home or, or by chance or, or by our own mistakes, but it's found simply in the eternal love of God and the fact that he sent his son Jesus out of love to die for us to give us heaven, to give us paradise. We're talking about heaven and heavenly rewards that dwarf anything that we can experience right now by doing it with our own hands. And with this different kind of permanence available to us, Paul can say, like he does say in the scripture, so we are always of good courage. When the house is burning down and when the physical stuff goes wrong around us, when that relationship that was supposed to be forever fails and it's not supposed to fail, we have courage because we know that heaven's real, that paradise is real, that God is real, and that one day, one day we will trade in the tent, we'll trade in this stuff that, we're, that we have right now that's not permanent, we'll trade it in and we'll, we'll trade it in for something that can't be taken away something that we can't destroy or others can't destroy, something that's real. It's easy to have courage when you know the end of the story. It's easy to have courage to jump into a pool whenever you know you can swim. And that's essentially what Jesus has provided us. He has provided us this security, this permanence. We know the end of the story. It's a permanent home that nothing can take away and nothing can stop. And that's great. It's easy to have courage whenever we truly believe that. So have fun in your tent. Have fun in what we're doing right now. And we will work hard and we will do the best we can in this world, knowing that in any moment stuff can go wrong, no matter how hard we try. But be encouraged that when things do go wrong, we have even better stuff waiting for us than we could ever have here. I've got three quick points from the scripture that I'd like to, to give you, and I think these points help make this scripture practical for our lives. Um, number one, that longing for more security, more permanence, or relational, um, physical, financial, uh, whatever it might be, it's not going to be filled by more of those things, right? You wanting more security in your life, for your family, for your bank account, for whatever, for your body, you wanting more of those things and you attempting to gather more of those things is not going to actually produce the security that you want. And if you do that, it's a pit of a way to live, meaning you will just keep throwing everything you get, everything you earn, everything you think into that pit and attempt to gain some sort of security, but you will never fill it up enough so that that feeling of insecurity goes away. The longing for security that you have for the real thing, not the fake stuff, for, not, not for the stuff that can be messed up, not for the stuff that you can mess up, but what you want is the real thing, the permanent thing that only comes from understanding that God loves you, that he sent his son to die for you named Jesus Christ, and that not only did the son die for your sins, but he rose again to give you hope for a permanent future. I'm not saying that 
that believing in Jesus means that you shouldn't work hard for things right now to enjoy. I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to create some stability for you and for your family. I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of your body. What I am saying is as hard as you might work for those things, you can't produce what you really want on your own. You can't produce the same sort of permanence that you want, that you truly desire. So if you pursue a goal that's unattainable, you will drive yourself crazy. So before you start trying to produce that stuff on your own, thinking that it's going to give you peace, pause and realize, surrender your life to Jesus. He will give you eternal life. He's promised you a future of forever that no one else can take away. And then, and then everything else you do is just a cherry on top. Everything else you produce after you recognize uh, who Jesus is to you actually starts to mean something. You have a brand new freedom to pursue great and awesome things and it not be about you just trying to fill up a pit, but you just living your life in a way that glorifies God. There's a, there's a, I don't even think it's a fine line, but there's a line there where people produce, you will produce things. You are made to produce things. You are made to just create all sorts of things and to, to want things and to need things. That's who you are. What changes that process for everyone is the reason why you do it. Are you doing it to make yourself feel better? Are you doing it to make yourself feel secure? Or are you doing it as a, as a way just to bring glory and honor for God in this world because you know that he's already giving you everything you need even if you never receive another blessing in this world. Number two, my next point is to be careful not to be blinded by the blessings. The good things can, not always, but they can, keep you from recognizing two things. That this stuff, every good thing that you experience, is transient, and that there is better to come. Some, some road trips are so good, it makes you sad for them to end. I've taken groups of students to retreats and to get uh, like getaways and, and like big gatherings before. And, and of course, uh, everyone's having a great time. They're having a blast and, and, and everyone forgets home for a moment. And then when it's time to come home, I've, I've experienced people get really sad about this awesome trip coming to a close and all the stuff that they left at home that was stressful, that was painful is waiting on them when they get out of the van. And in those circumstances, I completely understand not wanting the trip to end because homes mess up. School's messed up. Your life's messed up. Why would anyone want to go back to that? I get that, right? I understand that. But students with a good home might be a little sad the trip is ending, but they know that home is good. They know that there's good food. They know that there's good stuff. That They know that there's loving parents. They know that there's security at home. So it, they're not afraid of the trip to the end. It's just, it's almost you can enjoy the trip better when you know that home is just as awesome as the trip. And, and, and we can have a great road trip in life, but we have to know that there is even better things waiting for us. And maybe we don't talk about it enough, but we are promised paradise. We are, we are promised to be with God. We are promised to have brand new bodies. I'm 32 years old. And if I sit down for a long period of time, every time I stand up, my knees click really strangely, right? I'm going to have a new body one day. And there are people who, who have a lot more pain than I will ever have, and you'll have a new body one day. You, you'll have paradise one day. 
And it's going to be awesome. And it's better than anything that we can imagine. But we don't see it right now. It's hard to imagine right now. And so we're afraid um, that all the good stuff, all the blessings that we have right now might come to an end. And what's on the other side? I don't know. And so, so we hold on. We hold on to the road trip. We hold on to, to, to this journey that we're on and everything that we gather in this journey because they're good things. But there's better. There's better. That feeling that feeling of holding on to the journey, holding on to the road trip, it creates some misplaced values in the right here, right now. And it might encourage someone to have the wrong attitude about the future, about death, and about what their job is in the moment right now. Enjoy the trip, but know that we are all heading towards something spectacular if you love Jesus. That should excite you. That should make you happy. And just as importantly, it should inspire you to help other people head in the same direction you're going. Right? Enjoy the trip. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the stuff. But no, there is better coming. Number three, finally, there is a blessing in suffering. Sometimes the bad days make us want to put the tent away and, and start heading to our permanent home. I'm not talking about being suicidal. I want to make that clear. But problems pull back the blinders from the road trips, the good ones, right? And they make us realize, I got to get back home. Paul's life um, was a life of longing for the road trip to end and for him to be home finally. But also knowing he wasn't driving the car in the trip, and we're not driving this car, by the way, right? We have some control, but but ultimately God's in control and, 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 and he's driving this thing and we're just in it. And uh, if, if you recognize that you're not in control and, and Paul recognized that he wasn't in control and he recognized that on the journey, on the trip, no matter how much he wanted to rush to get home, as long as the trip lasted, he had work to do. And you've got work to do. The next time you have a bad day, just know that one day there won't be any more bad days. You just have to keep going, and yeah, you have to help other people get there too. Can't stress that enough. We I forget that all the time randomly. You know, it's not that I'm a bad Christian. It's not that I don't pray. It's not that I don't read my scripture. But sometimes I go through this road trip and forget that at least fifty percent of what I'm trying to do every day should be grabbing other people and taking them on the same road I'm going to, so that they can have the same experience, same peace, same paradise that I have. I'm part of a Christian movement that has its roots in some of the poorest regions in the U.S. in the late 1800s and early 1900s in the, in the Appalachia of the southeast, North Carolina, uh, North Georgia, um, uh, East Tennessee. And these people had very hard and difficult lives, rough lives. Um, they didn't have some of the same hopes and, 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 and good things that we have every day. They couldn't sit down at a computer and, and watch YouTube videos that make them laugh. They didn't have uh, the access to do a podcast or to, to do a camera. They didn't have, like, amazing, amazing homes. They had to walk everywhere. They didn't always have the nicest clothes or clothes at all, or they, won't, they weren't always guaranteed that there would be something for them to eat when they got home. They didn't have that. And they worshiped, and they lived in a way that reflected their very right belief that while it might be tough right now, you don't live for right now. You live for the good stuff God has for you later. The struggle of their road trip 
help form their hope uh, in something other than themselves. Because a lot of times we think that we do all of the blessings on our own, and we think it's all about us, but ultimately every good thing we ever have comes from Him. In, in other words, the tent, the tent wasn't fun, but they knew that one day there would be more than a tent for them, and they can't get it on their own. It's given to them. And for that reason, they have courage to live in freedom and surrender and courage telling you people about Jesus no matter what's going on in the road trip. We have to fight the urge to be more in love with the good stuff. We have to fight the urge to be in love with the road trip more than the perfect stuff later that we are promised. And we have to be encouraged that when the camping trip is miserable, it won't last forever. We have something that we are working towards. We have something good for us. But most importantly, we got to get people going with us on this trip in the same direction. So look next to you at your workplace. Look next to you at home. Look next to you in the grocery store and just ask yourself, are these people on the same road trip I am? And if they're not, is there a way I can connect with them to help help them get to a place where they're going to be guaranteed something great? So be encouraged today. Again, enjoy the road trip. Enjoy the blessings, but you don't produce the blessings. Work hard, but know that however hard you work, you can't provide yourself with permanent security. So you have to trust in Jesus Christ and you have to help other people through that process, just like we work through it on our own. God bless you. Thank you so much for watching this, listening to this. Have a great day and see you next time.